Our Heavenly Father, we come before your presence in the name of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we are so thankful that we can gather in his name and call upon his name and ask for your blessing, not only upon this evening, but upon this entire week. And Father in heaven, as we have come together in that wonderful, that precious name of Jesus, we pray that each one would indeed experience the blessing from the throne of God. Bless the preaching of the word tonight. Speak to our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It seems like we were just here. Time has marched on and a year has passed and here we are again at camp, Eastern Camp 2016. And unless this year should somehow be different than other years, it will just be all over in such a short time. Saturday morning, next Saturday morning will we'll come and this week will be over. And the question that was posed in the song, in a sense, will need to be answered. And that is, will you have gotten what you came here for? The song really encouraged us to please not leave this year's camp without getting what you came for. So why did you come? Why are you here? You know, I think about my own life and experience, and I think, if I'm right, it's been about 45 years since I've been coming to camp. In all of those years, haven't missed more than perhaps a couple of years. And like so many of you, camp is the time when we come together and experience the blessings of God. And I remember when our children were young, as soon as we were heading up the 81, heading north, we were already talking about next year's camp, and it was just a place where they wanted to be, and we wanted to bring them, and we wanted to be here as well. And now we're here with our grandchildren, and what a blessing that is as well. And so for many of us, we come here because it's something we look forward to, and we look forward to God's blessing in being together for this week. Some of you are here for the first time and we want to welcome you. And maybe you heard about camp from others and watched it online and now you want to experience it for yourself and I hope that you will also get everything that you're looking for in this week of a camp. Some might be here maybe for the first time in a long time and maybe it's been some time since you're back and you've missed it. And I hope that you also will get what you're looking for. As Brother Mark said, we come together as family and friends, and we're we're here to fellowship and connect with one another. We're also here as a family of God, as a fellowship of believers. And this is the place where we we get to see each other and and talk to each other, and perhaps it's the only time of the year for, for many of us to be able to do that. And I think that all of us, and especially the young people, are here to have a good time, to enjoy this week, and we certainly hope that your good time is in line with the the camp rules and won't get you in trouble with the, the deans. We want you to have a good time, and the Lord wants you to have a good time. 
But on a more serious note, I think that all of us experience camp as a time when we can really separate ourselves in a certain measure, not entirely, but in a certain measure from, from life, from this world, and from the busyness of our lives and, and, the, and everything that's going on around us. And we can appreciate that more and more as we see this world that we're living in going in a downward spiral. Political chaos, economic turmoil and uncertainty. Moral decay that is unprecedented, perhaps. And the social engineers of our day are, are discarding those sacred truths that have been handed down to mankind disregarding even common sense as we see it so rampant. And fear is gripping the world that we live in and maybe even touching our lives. What's in store for us, for our children, for the future? What lies ahead of us? As the world is dealing with terror, with, with fearing for their safety, our safety, this is the world that, that you and I live in and we come here hoping to escape hopefully some of that even if it is just for a short time. And for many of us, I believe we come here because we see this as a spiritual oasis. Oh, it may be very hot and it will be very hot outside and, and dry, but we can be comfortable. More importantly, spiritually, we come here to be refreshed, to feed on the living water, the word of God, and to have the spirit of God fill our hearts and our lives. We come here to pray with our mouths and to praise with our hearts, to lift up our voices and to encourage one another and to fellowship one with another. And I believe that many, if not all of us, have come here to camp as we have so many times because there's needs in our lives. We're needing something. And for some, those needs may be very deep. And you're coming here hoping that God will fulfill that need. Perhaps coming hoping to be encouraged coming looking for guidance and direction in your life, coming hoping that the Spirit of God will, will speak to you, that, that through the Word, he, God will, will reveal himself to you. And others are come, have come, I'm sure, hoping that there will be those that will listen, that will take the time, perhaps just to listen and maybe even speak a word that is fitly spoken, that will speak to the need that is in your life and in your heart, perhaps even at this very moment, as you seek God and desire him in your life and want direction from him. And as the song said, if we all come to Jesus, then none will have need. In other words, if we come to Jesus, those needs can be met. And God can use many of us and all of us in some way to help meet those needs. But above all, he, Jesus himself, 
and through the Holy Spirit will minister to everyone that is here. But there's a need, beloved, that, that is greater than, than all of these that needs to be addressed. And God knew that we have that need, and that need is for us, for mankind to be saved. That need is for salvation. And because God knew that, he sent a savior. And his name is Jesus. And we are gathered in his name, believing that according to his promise that he is here with us and that he will speak to us. And so this week, those of us that stand here, those that teach and, and, and speak, we will try to explain what salvation is all about. What it means to be saved, to become saved and to be saved and to, to live that life. And in order to better understand what salvation is all about, what better place would there be to go to the book of Romans? The Apostle Paul wrote Romans on the, near the end of his missionary journeys, just shortly before he was to return with gifts to the Jewish believers in Jerusalem. But perhaps as a precursor, because he fully intended to go to Rome and then on to Spain, he wrote the book of Romans, which lays out the plan of salvation in a very crystal clear way so that none can misunderstand it. And the Apostle Paul wrote this to the Romans and he, and he says, so as much as is, in, as in me as I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. And there it was. The believers in Rome were both Jews and Gentiles and Paul was going to send them this epistle, this letter, and lay out that plan of salvation and he does it in such a beautiful way hoping to reinforce that when he comes, not realizing that he wouldn't get to Rome as a visitor visiting them, but rather as a prisoner and never make it to Spain. But he goes through, and we can follow through the book of Romans, and, and I'm just going to highlight just a few verses as we go along here in a number of the chapters before we get to our text of Romans chapter 10. But the Apostle Paul very clearly points out that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That there is none righteous, no, not one. And that was true for the Jew, and it was true for the Gentile, for the Greeks as well, and it's true for every one of us as well. All of us are in need of salvation. All of us need to be saved. All of us need to be justified, to be made right with God. And he made it very clear from the very beginnings of the book of Romans that that could only be accomplished in God's way. And that was through faith. And God's way had not changed. 
Even though the, the, the Jews who really should have known better but didn't thought that they knew their, the right way to please God and to follow him, they missed it. They missed the message that had been there from the beginning, and that was the message of faith, that God was looking for a people that would believe, that would trust in him, that would receive him into their lives through faith. And that faith was the only way in which they could be justified. And so we read after the verse that says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. It is only through Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross, shedding his blood, that enables us to be saved. That's why the Bible tells us in in Romans chapter five, verse one, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The peace that we can have with God, our heavenly Father, comes only when we are made right through faith in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for all of us. And so Paul lays out the lays out the the fall of man, the need for forgiveness, the need to be justified, just as if we had never sinned, and that was only going to be accomplished through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. That through that, we could be delivered from the penalty of sin, As we can read in the scriptures, in in Romans chapter, chapter eight, there is now therefore no more condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who live not after the flesh, but after the spirit. But not only delivered from the penalty of sin, but also delivered from the power of sin. As we can read so clearly in Romans chapter six, that we should no longer continue in sin, but that we should be freed from it. And this was available to all, both to the Jews and to the Gentiles and to every one of us as well. Allow me to read from Romans chapter 10, where the scripture says, you'll have to excuse me tonight, the uh, apparatus here took off one over my glasses. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, say not in thine heart who shall ascend into heaven. That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? 
The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whoso believeth on him shall not be ashamed, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This was written to set things straight, especially for the Jewish believers who should have known better for the Jews, rather, who should have known better, but somehow missed the message that God wanted them to hear. Missed the word and what it meant. The gospel, the word of God, the plan of salvation as revealed throughout the scriptures from the very beginning, throughout the law, even through the gospel that Jesus Christ preached and the gospel that the Apostle Paul also preached. We read here that faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. And I'm going to look at our text here in Romans chapter 10, but take it in a different approach and, and, and do it from, from where I left off reading and go back to the beginning. It is through the hearing of the word and the preaching of the word and the reading of the word that faith comes. And I hope that all of us came here this week so that our faith could be strengthened. But especially those that are here without Christ, that your faith would grow. And maybe right now you are feeling a lot of unbelief in your life. There's, there's questions and confusion and, and things in the Bible that you just can't figure out and can't understand. But I tell you based on the authority of God's word that if your faith is even as small as a mustard seed, that it can grow. And through the preaching and through the teaching, God can make a difference and he can cause that faith to grow as you hear his word, as you read it, and as it hopefully sinks into your heart. And that's going to happen because God ordained messengers to bring forth his word, and messengers will bring the message this week. They have been called, they have been sent, and they are here to preach the word of God and to reveal God's truths to you. 
And we hope that those that have not yet accepted that message, that gospel, that they will hear that. And that their faith will grow and you will be able to believe. Hopefully all of us, all that are here, are beyond that point of of wondering whether God exists. The scriptures make it very clear to us that those that come to God must first believe that he is, and I think all of us do believe that he is. But do all of you believe, especially you, my friends, that he will reward those that diligently seek him, those that are going to seek him out and those that are going to call upon his name? We read together, how can, how can we call upon his name unless we believe? Believe that he will reward that call. That he will answer us when we call out to him for grace, for mercy, and for help. But calling upon the name of the Lord and being saved is more than, than just saying I believe. It's more than, than just knowing and even perhaps affirming that what the Bible says is true, that Jesus came to be the savior of the world, to be the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. It has always been, and it always will be, a matter of the heart. And from the very beginning, God was looking for those that would seek him and desire him from their hearts and with all of their hearts. And for that reason, we read these scriptures here about believing in our hearts and how important that is. But if we go back to Deuteronomy and the, and, and the Apostle Paul, especially in this part of the, of the book of Romans, uh, recounts over and over again God's dealings with his people, with the children of Israel. And he quotes over and over again what he had taught them and what he had, how he had worked in their lives even though they in so many ways did not receive it and were disobedient to it. But in Deuteronomy chapter 30, it says, and this is Moses speaking near the end of his life, it says, and the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart and the heart of thy seed to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul that thou mayest live. God was, was looking for hearts that were circumcised. Not just an outward conformity and, and, and fulfilling that requirement, but hearts that were towards God, that desired God, that wanted to know him and wanted to follow him and to live for him. And therefore the scripture says that we need to believe in our hearts. Believe what? What is it that we are to believe that will make the difference between life and death, between heaven and hell? We have read it very clearly here in this scripture. The Bible says here, 
that if thou wilt confess with thy mouth and the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's believing in the resurrection. But before we can believe in the resurrection, we have to believe in the death of Jesus, that he died on the cross, and that he shed his blood for every one of us, and especially for you, my friend. And believe that he did that because he loves you and me. That God loved the world so much that he gave his son so that whoever believes on him wouldn't perish but would have everlasting life. Believe that he did that because he loved us and that that was the only way. Because there was no other way in which we could be redeemed back to God. Beloved, Jesus paid a debt that he didn't owe because we owed a debt that we couldn't pay. There was no other way. There is no other way whereby men must, must be saved other than through the name of Jesus and what he has done on the cross for you and for me. The Bible says, he who, know, he who knew no sin became sin for us. Beloved, that's what we need to believe. My friend, that's what you need to believe. Believe that this is a risen Savior that first died for you on the cross and shed his blood so that you could be saved. But also believe that through his resurrection, you can have a new life, that you can, can, can experience the new life that we, that we read about also in Romans, the sixth chapter, where it says, wherefore we are buried with him by, uh, by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so also we should walk in newness of life. Salvation comes about, yes, when we can confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, but believe that we can be transformed. Believe that we can have newness of life through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ that transforms and that makes men new. And that is available to all those that will acknowledge that and also agree that Jesus has done that for them. And so we also need to realize and ask the question, what will it take for that to happen? My friend, what's it going to take in order that you can truly believe and make that profession of faith that you too want to accept what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross? and be able to receive that gift. It hasn't changed. It's always been a matter of the heart. And if you seek him, the Bible says, with all of your heart, you will find him. And he's not far away from you. In this chapter here, in verses six through 
through 9, the Apostle Paul is, is actually quoting a portion of Scripture that is found in Deuteronomy, also in the 30th chapter. I'd like to read those verses to you. And Moses is saying here, For this commandment which I command thee this day, it is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that thou shouldest say, Who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it unto us, that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that thou shouldest say, Who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us, that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very nigh unto thee, in thy mouth and in thy heart, that thou mayest do it. My friend, what are you waiting for? The commandments of God as they were given by Moses were not off in some distant land or, or even yet in heaven. God's instruction had been clearly given and he wanted mankind to follow him and trust him in simple faith and belief. And so what will it take for you? Are you looking for, for some kind of a sign? Are you looking for something spectacular to happen in your life? Will it take another preacher, another Bezalel, Brother Bezalel, to come and, and, and just proclaim boldly the word of God to you that is going to make the difference? God has already given what it takes in that he has given his word, he has given the gospel, and it's here for every one of us, and especially for you, my friend, to receive. And you don't have to go far. That word is nigh, it's near you. It's in your heart, it's in your mouth. And I believe with all of my heart that, that there are many young people that are here tonight that, that are that close. That you came here because, because you do want to give your life to the Lord. Maybe not tonight, but hopefully some night, and hopefully sooner than later. And if not this year at camp, perhaps no later than the next time you come. But it's close, it's near to you, and it's that desire is in your heart because God placed it there, and if you act upon that desire, he will give you the words in your mouth, the words that he wants to hear. The same words that we can read, record in the scripture where, where one recognized his sinfulness and he simply said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. When you, my friend, can recognize your need that you are a sinner, that you are separated from God, and that you can't, you can't do this on your own and you need God's help, and you cry out to God for help, he will answer you, and he will help you. Will you say that? God, I need you in my life. I need you to take the, the mess that I've made of my life and, and, and make it better to fix it. I need your help to, to overcome those, 
those vices and those things that are keeping me away from the truth of the gospel, keeping me away from the peace that God wants me to experience. And he wants to do that for you. That word is so close, and I hope and I pray, as so many of us do, that you will be able to speak those words. God, I need you. I want you. Won't you come into my heart? I want to receive you as my Lord and Savior. And the Bible says, as many as receive him, to them he gives the power to become the children of God. Not only the right to be a child of God, but also the ability the ability to become a child of God as we turn to him, as the scripture says, in repentance and put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. Now let's go to the beginning of the chapter where the Apostle Paul is is writing to, to the Jews, the very ones that, that should have known better but didn't. That, that God for so many generations had been imparting his truths to them and yet they missed it. And because of that, they missed out on the righteousness that was available to them through faith because their hearts were not towards God and they were wandering and time and time again, God had to bring them back and the Apostle Paul, seeing and, and knowing their condition, that had been there for all those years and generations. His heart went out to them. And tonight, our hearts also go out as God's children to you that are here tonight in a very similar way. Because I can see, and and I think many of us can see that, that the way the Apostle Paul looked at the Jews that found it so difficult to believe in that gospel of Jesus Christ, that simple gospel message of faith, justification, being made right with God through faith because they were going about it the wrong way as they had always done it. And I can identify with this because this was my experience as well. And all of us, most of us, I believe, are are not that much different than the Jews were back then those that knew, as the Bible says, the oracles of God, those that had been given the scriptures and should have known better, those that were called the people of God, the very ones that he had chosen to be the the ones that would carry his truth and his message and and, and bring it to, to the rest of the world. And yet, for all of their knowing, they didn't know. And for all that they understood, they missed the point and they missed the message. And we too can become so very like that, especially for, for us that, that have grown up in the church, grown up in Christian families, grown up coming to, to church camp, grown up reading the Bible, All of these truths are there and yet when it comes right down to it and we want to be saved, we can so easily miss it. And and that's what happened to me. As I heard the call of God and 
and asked him to come into my life and went about and, and did those things that were right and good, that, that showed that I was serious about this, that really was turning to God in repentance as I made restitutions and, and, and really sought God with all of my heart. But that peace eluded me for too long because in my own way and in my heart, I guess I thought that because I had done these things, peace would come, and it doesn't. And not until I could in simple faith accept what Jesus Christ did on the cross and simply say, I believe, did that peace come. And time and time again, Many of us, myself especially, have heard young people in their testimonies, when they finally come to that realization but had to come there the difficult way by saying, I tried to do it on my own. I tried, but it didn't work. And this is essentially what the Apostle Paul here was writing to to these Jews that found it so difficult to believe. And let me, let me take this, this portion of scripture, these three verses, and, and as I close here tonight, paraphrase, paraphrase this for you, my friend. Simply by saying, my dear friends, our hearts desire, all of us that are here tonight as, as God's children, our hearts desire and our prayer to God for you is that you might be saved. We can see that, that you have a zeal for God. We can see that because you're here. And you've been coming to church. And you've been reading your Bibles. And yet, all of that knowledge hasn't translated into salvation, hasn't translated into you being justified by faith because in a sense you too have missed it and not realized that being right with God is when we believe with all of our hearts believe that he came to save us he came to die on the cross for us And he came so that he would be resurrected so that we could have newness of life. And until you, my friend, can submit yourself to this righteousness of God, you will never experience that forgiveness and that peace. Salvation, Salvation is not an outward conformity that results in us being saved and right with God. But rather, it is a surrender of our will, of our hearts to God, giving him our whole heart, all of it, in simple faith, believing what he did, he did for me. He did it for you. And as we accept that, we can experience that forgiveness because he has redeemed us 
and he has made us whole. Let me close with the scripture that we know all so well. For by grace we are saved through faith, not of ourselves, it is a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Why did you come to camp? Whatever that reason might be, I hope that you don't leave without getting what you came for. But above all, my friend outside of Jesus Christ, we hope and we pray that what you want someday will be what you experience. If not tonight, hopefully this week, or at the very least, very soon, before it is too late. He wants your heart. He wants all of it. Will you give it to him? Amen.